Hello and welcome to the Power and Courage podcast. My name is Alexandra DeFalco. Thank you for tuning in. Today I have the pleasure of uh, introducing the extraordinary Dr. Callum Miller. Uh, thank you, Callum, for coming in. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Callum is an Oxford grad who is currently working as a uh, medical doctor. Uh, he's received prizes from the University of Oxford and the Royal College of Psychiatrists for his work um, on bio bioethics. Uh, he readily defends his pro-life position, having given countless presentations internationally uh, on the topic and has even uh, debated the ex-CEO of BFAS. Uh, he regularly appears in the mainstream media um, in the UK. Um, and yeah, so all reasons why we're very honoured to have him uh, on today. So, so thank you so much, Callum. I don't know if I've missed anything off there. Uh, please like, feel free to supplement if I've missed Nothing anything. Nothing important, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so actually, we tend to kind of start these, these episodes with a little bit of... Um, a bit of levity just because abortion isn't, isn't you know like the jolliest topic so um i'm going to ask you a, um, a fun question to kick things off um and so my fun question for you is if hollywood decided to make a film based on your life who would you like to see playing you oh wow um i hadn't really expected this question <laughs> um to be honest to be honest because <laughs> i grew up rapping i grew up in croydon um oh, wow, and i grew okay. up as a rapper and i would like it to have that part of my teenage years <laughs> fair, fair. so just as like a complete curveball i'd probably have to go with like eminem oh fair <laughs> enough oh you know I, I it would be like it. it'd be like eight mile except in the end he goes to university and becomes a pro-life <laughs> speaker <laughs> that's hilarious love it that's a great answer <laughs> staying true to your roots as well that that's awesome Exactly. Um, awesome. Okay. So, I mean, well, speaking of your roots, um, what kind of, you know, like, how would you describe your entrance into kind of the, the pro-life arena? Uh, well, like, were you always pro-life or? No, not at all. So when I, when I went to medical school, I wasn't, um, I thought, like, I had the same view that most people have, which is like, yeah, 24 weeks is kind of wild. That's too late. But early abortion like if it's in the first 12 weeks or whatever like I can't see any reason to think that that's wrong so um that was my view when I went and then it was really a mix of things you know you saw the reality of the development of the baby in the womb at medical school you saw the reality of what abortion actually does and it wasn't that that automatically made me pro-life but it meant that when pro-choices gave these arguments like it's not a baby it's not alive that's not what abortion is like I knew that was wrong mm, <laughs> so I yeah. at least knew the basic facts and I feel like if you know the basic facts you're already like 80% of the way to being pro-life <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because no. they're so they're so clear um so there was a lot more like thinking behind it like I I've always I've never really been that kind of um drawn onto things by like emotional experiences or that kind of thing like for me it was really just thinking through the arguments like the impact of human equality and the consequences of that if you really believe in human equality you have to believe that that extends to every human and clearly this is a human we know that from biology and so just thinking through that argument in detail and then thinking through the you know objections to it about bodily autonomy so people saying it's not a human being or it's not a person none of them made sense or even if they were coherent they had implications that were just crazy like you can kill newborn babies you can kill disabled people like <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff it just it's not anything that anyone can reasonably believe I think so 
Yeah, it was it was really being persuaded by the evidence, the arguments, and then seeing just the reality of abortion and its impact on women and its impact on the baby. So, yeah, it took a while. It wasn't sudden. And that's true in general. Like very few people suddenly change their minds, which is why we have to be patient sometimes. But yeah, over time, I was completely convinced and I didn't, you know, ever envisage doing this for most of my time. I didn't envisage being a speaker on it, but those doors kept opening and I felt like no one else is doing it or very few people are doing it. And it's, you know, the biggest human rights issue in the world today. So if if, if I'm not doing it, then who else is going to? So I had to step in. No, absolutely. No, I mean, no. it's extremely commendable. I mean, to be honest, actually, um, kind of kind of leads into my next question for you, really. So obviously, you're very publicly pro-life. Um, do you find that and, and yet you're still, you know, you're still you're still working as, you know, as a doctor. So do you find that you um, do you receive any you know scrutiny from your peers? Um, you know, uh, is any amount of hostility, uh, you know, or, or do they tend to kind of avoid the topic with you entirely? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been kind of weird. Like, I actually expected to get more, like, hate mail and death threats. Like, I've never had a death threat. I really <laughs> am. Like, am I actually, actually pro-life? I don't know. Um, so, like, obviously, you know, you post things on Twitter and people will complain and that kind of thing. Um, from my colleagues at work, never really had anything. I mean, I to be honest, I work in a part of the UK where there's a particularly high Muslim population, particularly among the doctors. So, actually, a lot of the doctors agree with me. Um yeah. Only a few have actually had conversations, but, you know, the, the Islamic teaching on abortion is pretty clear that it's generally against abortion. So um, that has probably had some impact. Um, even the people that know haven't, you know, and, and disagree with me, haven't really made a big thing of it. Um, I'm sure if I were to try and do certain things, there would be resistance. So, you know, when I've tried to engage with the Royal College of Obstetricians on these kind of thing, like they've basically blacklisted me i've been blacklisted from a couple of journals that kind of thing right so it's not as if there's no resistance like clearly opportunities will be limited um but it's not like in my day-to-day -day life i get harassed about it no, <laughs> like, okay. i think most people are most people are not the kind of radical pro-abortion people that kind of fill the media and the government so yeah yeah no oh good no i'm no that's that's really yeah, it's really good to hear because it is hard to kind of like get a sense of, you know, sometimes, especially like when you're, you know, so when your work is so closely related to kind of abortion, you know, just being in the medical field, it's hard to kind of see, you know, I, I just wouldn't guess that. Oh, um, I, I guess I would have assumed that there were, you know, that you get a little bit more confrontation because I guess my experience of like dealing, um, you know, like no one at my work knows that I'm pro-life, but um, however, like on the streets, you know, whenever we're doing um, protesting, you'll get plenty of abuse. And as you say, plenty online as well. So um yeah no that's really interesting so I guess um so I, I I don't know I don't want to label you but you say that you're a philosopher you you know you, you've done kind of um bioethics and um so I was just wondering like how would you say that um kind of philosophy kind of aids the abortion debate because uh, you know I mean certainly we abortion resistance try to come from a very like you know facts oriented um kind of and I know philosophy yeah it, so how, yeah uh what would you say how, how would you say it helps um, I think, you know, it's it's a bit tricky to say because <laughs> um, the more I've studied philosophy uh, in kind of real detail at the high highest kind of academic levels and published, you know, in really detailed stuff, the more I kind of feel like so much of this stuff is just common sense. 
and <laughs> some of us use philosophy to defend common sense and then a lot of other people use philosophy to like weasel their way out of it <laughs> um, so I kind of I've become a little bit um disillusioned with it not because I think it's unimportant or because I think it's you know wrong or anything but I just feel like so much of this is obvious right <laughs> that, no fair enough yeah. um, a lot of a lot of philosophy is really just obscuring what's obvious um but of course it's it's important like philosophy doesn't have to be kind of airy fairy like basically bad poetry it doesn't have to be obscuring the obvious you know sometimes mm. it's helpful just to think through things really clearly and then there are some issues which do take you know really serious detailed philosophical thinking to get right whether mm. in ethics or thinking about you know all sorts of other areas about the world whether god exists all, all these sorts of things you know there are meaningful and important philosophical debates um so i think what philosophy can at least do is clarify the issues it can help you to think through the things more clearly so that you understand what are the actual issues so it kind of helps you to realize for the abortion debate generally there are only a certain set of really fundamental questions. Are human beings equal? Is the baby a human being? Does the woman's right to bodily autonomy override that right to, you know, the, the human being's rights, assuming the baby has them? Um, and everything else, every kind of objection to the pro-life position falls into one of these categories. And of course, philosophy gives you the tools to think through those critically and, and be able to respond to different arguments. Uh, so I'm glad that I can do that. <laughs> and I'm yeah. glad that there are people more intelligent than me that who have done it, you know, in even more detail and, and really gone through this stuff in detail. Um, so I would say, yes, it's important. And certainly to know the basics of it is really, really crucial because this is ultimately a philosophical debate about ethics. Um, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be put off by the fact that philosophy can be extremely abstract and airy-fairy and like wishy-washy. Um, Try not to have that view of philosophy. If you just have it as a basic kind of um, toolkit for thinking rationally and thinking critically, it can be really helpful for pro-life stuff and for everything else as well. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, I just, I guess, um, yeah, when I personally, when I think of philosophy in the abortion uh, debate, I watch um that there are some uh kind of self self-professed philosophers on tiktok so i don't know what that says um but they um they quite regularly will debate people um on on the abortion topic and um and they, they're pro-choice as well and they seem to just kind of work their way into this whole philosophical world that it just seems so they where they end up just seems so entirely unrelated to where they i feel like where they perhaps should have landed i don't know so yeah no so that's really interesting no it's um yeah I, I feel like if you can do it then great but if not yeah it's it's it's, it's tricky well, I think again I think some of that is you know knowing philosophical vocabulary and knowing some of the debates in it makes mm -hmm. it very easy to just kind of talk above you know an, an everyday person who doesn't read philosophy yeah. and it gives them a real sense of like intellect and stuff and again like having done this at a really high level and knowing the debates in depth like it's just <laughs> yeah. most of it is really just for show um and but, yeah the, the basic truth is if you believe in human equality and you believe basic science like you have to believe that the baby is one of us and deserves yeah. protection um maybe the stuff on bodily autonomy gets a bit trickier but even then you know most of the pro-abortion philosophy is is 
obfuscation. There are some people who do it sincerely and who do it well, who are on the other side. So I'm not saying every pro-abortion philosopher is basically just dishonest, <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but a fair few of them are. So yeah, right. you've got to um, you've got to just watch out for that sort of hubris. Just don't let them talk over you with you know intellectual vocabulary. Just get them to say things in plain words. And again, the arguments are actually not that sophisticated. Yeah, no, uh, no, that's brilliant. So I guess, um, how would you kind of, how would you suggest that people kind of arm themselves? So I, I know that like, um, there's often, I certainly when I have debates with people, they'll be like, well, what do you know? You're not a doctor. Like you can obviously say, oh, well, I'm a doctor. For those of us who don't have that yet, <laughs> um, you know, how would you kind of suggest, yeah, that you would, you know, that you arm yourself um, for these kinds of discussions? Um, it's a good question. I think it is important because I think, you know, people who don't go to study philosophy or don't do medicine still need to know the basic arguments, but that's perfectly possible that like you don't have to be, you know, in one of these fields to have a good understanding of the evidence and the arguments on this. Um, so what I've tried to do is actually put all of this together in one place. So on my website, callumsblog.com, there's a Q&A section, which covers pretty much everything that people ask about abortion. It has all the references to scientific papers, to official documents from governments, if that's relevant, that kind of thing. Um, and without wanting to, yeah, self-promote too much like that probably is the number one place where everything is all there together in terms of arguing for the pro-life perspective so i would just have that we're hoping to make it into an app at some point and make it more professional um but at the moment at least it's on the internet yeah no that's <laughs> sure. awesome yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's great that's really great to know oh gosh an app would be so helpful <laughs> just for like I, I feel like sometimes it can um yeah, it's, it's hard to remember how to, you know, sometimes, certainly with my, I'm speaking for myself here, really, but like, you know, to remember how to respond to all of the different, um, I don't know, just like pitfalls, um, you know, all the kind of, well, not pitfalls, traps <laughs> that, um, you know, a, a pro-choice people kind of set for you, um, you know, even just the ones that are based off of, of um, uh, like, uh, you know, it's almost like semantics, you know, uh, wording and, um, no, so that's great. That's great to hear. Um, so my next question is, what kind of, you know, what kind of advice can you offer the, the pro-life UK, particularly young men, actually, um, you know, who feel like they can't speak uh, about this issue, you know, um, or they'll be shunned by society, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's it's usually important that men have a part to play. Um, I mean, most men are going to be fathers. These are your kids <laughs> that you're yeah. trying to defend. These are other men's kids. Um, these are young boys in just under half of cases. Um, you know, men absolutely have a stake in this. And this is fundamentally a justice issue and an issue of equality. Um, I Every time I, I get asked about this, I, I think about Emma Watson's campaign a few years ago, the Hermione actor from Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. she, she ran this campaign called He for She. And the point was, in order for women to be fully equal, we cannot call things women's issues and pretend that men have not got a part to play in them. For women to achieve full equality, men have to use their platform and their voice to stick up for them and to fight for them. And exactly the same is true in the case of abortion. In that case, we're not only protecting the unborn child, but we're protecting the woman as well. And if, <laughs> like, what kind of man are you <laughs> if you're too cowardly and pathetic to speak up about children being killed and yeah. about women who suffer this trauma? You know, one in three women in this country suffers the trauma of abortion. Like it's, you know, 
you have to speak about this. And not only for those reasons, but men are a big part of the problem because men are the ones who create and who start these pregnancies, who create these children in the first place. And they're also part of the solution. Um, if you call it just a woman's issue, that's basically a license for irresponsible men. Because yes, a woman can in a way be free from the consequences of sex. She can get rid of the pregnancy, but she will always have to go through some kind of difficulty or trauma in order to do that. Either she has a traumatic and difficult abortion or she carries the baby to term and has to raise the baby by herself, provide money for it, provide a home, provide emotional support, provide nurturing all by herself. Whereas the man with legal abortion, the man can just say, this is your body, your choice. It's a woman's issue and it's nothing to do with me and he can go away. And so abortion is fundamentally something which has helped irresponsible men much more than it has helped women. Um, it has liberated and freed men from any sort of responsibility when the woman still has to deal with it. And so men are fundamentally a key part of the problem and they're a key part of the solution. So they have to be involved in it. <laughs> How you respond to it exactly depends on the context. If it's someone just trying to troll you, I normally just say, I'm sorry, I don't speak identity politics. Please reply in English. If it's someone who's a lot more sincere, like, you know, they genuinely feel like they've been trampled on by men their whole life and they find it really difficult that a man is again telling them what to do some people feel that really sincerely and genuinely and if you sense that then you know treat them gently and treat them with respect and kindness and explain that actually we all need to be part of the solution to this um but so yeah it, it really depends the context as to what you say but there are lots of things you can say for each context so absolutely use your voice use your platform um because it's it's vulnerable people that you're using them for yeah no amazing do you hear that guys no, no excuse show up to rallies you know speak out um okay well i think that's a wrap um thank you so much callum for uh, for joining us today um it's been really awesome having you um as always thank you to our viewers uh, for tuning in please do give us a follow on all social media platforms um where we are at abortion resist um and where, where can they find you callum uh again sadly not on tiktok yet <laughs> but it's coming it's coming um mostly twitter so twitter slash dr callum miller facebook if people want to follow me on facebook and then my website callumsblog.com is where you can get all the information about this so yeah please do follow perfect um please let us uh, know your thoughts um if you have any requests or suggestions for future guests or podcast ideas um yeah please get in touch with us through our website uh, abortionresistance.org.uk uh, have a good week. Uh, keep resisting and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.